Abundance of love, abundance of grace, down to that cross, you took my place, oh God, you take my ransom, Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Chapter 4, verse 13, the Bible says, Look here, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year, we will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own plans, and all such boasting is evil. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, If the Lord wants us to, we will do this or that. Pray with me. God, thank you for the Holy Ghost. And God, I pray right now that you'd anoint me to say things that would honor you, that would be your purpose and your plan and your will for us today. Speak to us from your word, by your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I already told you in the announcements, today's the final day of our 21 days of prayer. And um, I believe these have been the most crucial 21 days of prayer in the 20, uh, almost 23-year history of this church life. My wife, who's gone on to heaven, and I started this ministry uh, on June of 2001. So we'll be coming up on our 23rd uh, anniversary uh, uh, as a church, and this has been the most crucial 21 days of prayer and fasting that, that we've had, and we will break that fast tonight after our hour of prayer at 7 p.m. Whatever you have been doing for the last 21 days, uh, at 7.01 you are free from your vow. And remember, God said it's better not to vow a vow than to vow a vow and break it. So uh, tonight at 7.01, we will conclude our 21 days of consecration. But we'll continue to fast uh, diligently, maybe not every day for, for weeks at a time, but we will continue fasting and prayer as a lifestyle. Jesus said when you fast, it's expected that Christians would fast. In countries all around the world, Christians fast. Uh, many of them fast uh, for, be, because they're forced into it as, as a financial way. I know ministers that we, we sow money into every month that they don't eat uh, but every other day so their children can afford to eat daily. You, you, you keep buying into the madness of Americanized lifestyle and what, what, what the Internet and, and TV wants to show, uh, all, all the real activists going to get together and march against the one percenters because the one percenters are evil. Uh, and, and listen, the, the, the media has brainwashed people into thinking that the 1% became the 1% by oppressing and exploiting their workforce and, and, and poor people. I'm going to tell you, Bill Gates is in the 1%, and he didn't get into 1% by, by doing anything with poor people because – Especially when he became 1%, poor people couldn't afford what Bill Gates was selling. You couldn't afford, uh, half of half us in this room now still can't afford no Microsoft computer. That's why we got to get uh, what, what, Acer computers. Anybody? 
We got to get that two ninety nine Walmart computer. Well, Bill Gates wouldn't be rich. Bill Gates didn't get rich off the backs of poor people. Neither did Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos sold books, used books in his garage for seventeen years before he ever made a dime. He worked his he worked his self to death. When everybody's telling him that ain't never gonna work, who's gonna buy books? Now, now Amazon's the biggest reseller in the world. He didn't get rich taking advantage of poor people. He got rich helping poor people buy. Everybody in this room that bought something recently, if you wanted to save money off the Walmart price, only way to save money off the Walmart price is by find it cheaper at Amazon. Or tame you, but I don't trust the Chinese, so. Not the Chinese people, the Chinese government. Anybody ever successfully buy anything off that Timu I see ad? Does it work? Do they send you what they say they're going to send you? I saw what looked like a good-looking pair of boots on there for $3. I thought, I can't trust that. Go on, go on a bit. Go ahead and go up. I saw an entire suit, pant jacket suit, for seven dollars and ninety-nine cents. What you look like putting on an eight-dollar suit? If it works, it works. But mm, pray for me. I ain't, I ain't all the way there yet. Oh, oh, for sure. And it, yeah. So, are you proudly wearing them to church on Sunday morning? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but suffice it to say, the media is wrong about the 1% uh, be, being exploitative. Listen, I know poor people that exploit poor people. I know middle class people that exploit everybody and rich people that exploit. It's not just the uh, rich folk. But, you know, the media wants everybody to be against the one percenters. I've told you this before. I'm going to remind you of it today. If you make over $31,000 a year, you are in the top 1% income earner on this planet. So before you go to some rally hating on the one percenter, realize you, if you make minimum wage in America, fifth, uh, what is all, soon to be across the nation, $15 an hour, that's more than $31,000 in a year. And so what I'm looking at right now is a whole bunch of one percenters. But God, God wants, wants, wants us to open our eyes and wants us to see bigger than, than what everybody else is pumping out on the media. And we need to come together. We need to fast. We need to pray as a lifestyle. We need to be focused on what God has for us, not what the media wants to force us into. When we moved into this facility almost 10 years ago, uh, nine, nine and a half years uh, and, and going, God, God gave me many hopes and dreams for what we'd see him do on this location. Uh, over the years, we, we started in a place in Middleburg. Middleburg doesn't accept it because it's, 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 it's the lower end. It's, it's financially underneath Middleburg. And if you tell somebody in Middleburg that you live in Clay Hill, they'll, they'll slap you and say, that ain't Middleburg. That, that's, that's Clay Hill. And we started this ministry in, in Clay Hill. And... God led us to leave a paid-for facility and go have church in a school, which was unheard of. The only people having churches in schools are, are people that don't have a paid-for facility. And we set up and tore down every week, and it, it was a lot of work, and, and God blessed it. And then God opened up a place for us on College Drive, uh, and then we outgrew that. We were having three services on Sunday. We were having two on Sunday morning, one on Sunday night, because the sanctuary only set 300 people, and it wasn't, wasn't big enough for our usefulness, and then God opened up an opportunity for us to uh, move into a place on Blanding Boulevard with uh, 
thousand-seat sanctuary, and uh, we, we tabernacled there for a while, but then God led us uh, to this place. And I always have, have said that th this is our fifth location as a ministry, and, and, and five is a great number. We, we're going to stay in this place forever, and th this, this is where we're going to plant our flag, and this is where we're going to live until the end. And that's what I believe would happen. But I, but I come to you today uh, as, as a trumpeteer sounding an alarm for a movement of God. I come to you today uh, repenting for violating James chapter 4. I should have never said that we'll be in this place un until I die because God said, don't, don't, don't act like that. That's your plans that you're talking about. That, that's, that's not his plans. Um, and I had all types of dreams and, and plans and, and thoughts of what, what, we, would, what we would do here. Uh, but but, but I've, I've, I've come to see in the Word and in recent time through this prayer and fasting that making long-range statements with short-range sight is not what God would have us to do. We walk in the light that we have. We don't know what's around the corner. And when we make long-range statements and say we're going to do this and that uh, forever, um, those are by faith statements of what we believe God is saying, and we are following that. Uh, and I've made some long-range statements about what uh, I heard God say as if I saw the end result. But we're all like the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. It's on your screen. Listen to this and learn. For now we see through a glass darkly. But then face to face. I know in part, but then I shall be known even as also I am known. What Paul's saying is he can't see the future. He doesn't have a crystal clear ball to look into and see. What's, he said, we see through a glass darkly. Many commentators say uh, the, uh, a good literal understanding for that, for the person who's following God, it's like you're feeling your way through a cloud. You, you can kind of see. You see where you're supposed to be, but you can't see everything. You, you, you're looking through a, a glass darkly, some theologians say. It's like shaving. Uh, I, if y'all remember, now I hope the military's gotten better. I know they had them when uh, De Deacon Dixon uh, and, and, and Sonia were in the military because they were in the Army same time I was and, and way longer. But y'all probably had, well, you probably had them for sure. Those, we didn't have mirrors at Fort Dix, New Jersey in, in March of 1986. We had like glass, scratch glass that we, had, we shaved in. We didn't even have real mirrors. We had chrome. You remember what I'm talking about? Wasn't glass, but it kind of gave you a reflection enough to see your face to shave in. Uh, that's how God said his people see. We don't know every detail of everything. And if we did, we wouldn't be walking by faith. We'd be walking by sight. And Paul's saying, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to know everything. But now I only know some things. And, and, and I'm feeling my way through this. In, the, in a newer version, that same verse says, now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror. When God shows us stuff, listen, if God shows you every aspect of every detail in, in technicolor and in 3D, then you're not a faith person. You're a sight person. He knows your faith is too weak to, that for you to follow him the way he designed us to follow him. He says, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. We don't get this. 
We don't see every plan that God has right now with perfect clarity. Oh, but we wish we could. The Bible says that God's word guides us and it's a lamp to our feet. If you've got that old Coleman lantern and you're out there in the pitch dark, the, the only way to get that light to show you what's at the end of that stage is to walk toward the end of that, and it lights as you walk. We'd love to have a, uh, we'd love to have a spotlight. We'd love to have one of those, we, we used to call them Q-beams, where you just pull the trigger and it just shine the whole field in front of us. Well, I want to know what's, what's going to happen five years. God ain't going to tell you what's going to happen five years from now because it would probably freak you out to the point where you just lay in bed and shiver all night. He gives us light as we move, and he gives us grace for our space and strength for our journey. God tells us that the Christian life is a walk by faith, not by sight. God tells us in the book of Hebrews that faith is what pleases God. Faith is believing that it's real when you can't justify it, see it, or logically ration it out. If you can logically understand everything that God has for you, there's no faith. I like what one preacher said. Your dreams in the kingdom should be so big, only God could make them happen because there's no other way that you could see it happening unless God stepped in. That's kingdom living. We walk in the light, and as we move forward, the light moves forward. I've learned this over 41 years. I've been preaching it to you guys for 23, that sometimes God will tell us something just to get us to move from here to there. And when we get to there, he doesn't change his mind because he never meant it was going to happen to begin with. He just told you what you needed to know for the moment. Keep listening. You're, you're going you're to live in to that. He, he tells us things to move us down the road in the direction he wants us to go, even if he never intends on everything he told us happening. But I don't believe God works like that. Keep listening. See, I know God brought us to this place. I know God told us to build a community center on this land. Why haven't we built a community center on this land? God told us to. He sure did. God, God put it in our heart to do it. He sure did. But what we didn't know was what would be down the road. And when we contract, and when we got in conversation with the city, that drain field that you can see on that land is so toxic and so deficient and so broken before we even got here, the city said we're going to have to put uh, about $60,000. And when they say 60, it could be way north of that. It ain't going to be less. Before they'd ever consider giving us a building permit to start any process on that land. That's why that land has no building on it. Now, if you think, well, Pastor, surely just in my money alone, we could have paid that $60,000. Uh, <laughs> don't kid yourself. We got, we, got, we got your contribution statements ready for you in the foyer right now. But God told us to do it. Why didn't it happen? But we're going to see in a minute. I know that God told me plainly that God was going to take an 18-month process and grow this church to double the attendance. And he told me to tell you all that. And it hasn't happened. Well, we got, we got two, two results we can look for. Y'all could fire me, stone me, and call, and call me uh, wrong and a liar who can't hear God. Or you can understand how faith works. I believe God told us to do things to move us in a direction that he wanted us to go, even though the details would unfold in a different way. I believe God told us to come here so we'd come here. I believe God told us to build that community center so we would be 
community-minded and minister to the community. I believe God told us uh, that our attendance would double in that time frame because he wanted us to be outreach-minded. But what if it doesn't happen just that way? Well, I preached a message years ago um, titled, It's Important to Hear What God Said, But It's Also Important to Hear What God Is Saying. And it came out of the, uh, the text where God told Abraham to take his son, his only son, Isaac, and take him up on a hill and to kill him there as an offering of sacrifice unto God. And so Abraham, being the man of God he was, he said, let's go. And he got the boy, and he got the wood to, to light the fire, uh, to burn in the fire. He got the rope to lash his son down to the wood to offer his son to die. But even though God told Abraham to go and kill Isaac, do you think God's long-range plan was actually to let Abraham kill Isaac, or he just told Abraham that to get him to move in a direction? He was just moving him in a direction. God And, and, and Abraham told everybody. He brought servants. He left his people, and they're like, yeah, we, we, and, and everybody knew but Isaac. Abraham knew he was going up on that hill to, to uh offer his son a sacrifice to kill his only son uh, and or his son of the promise. His family knew. The servant knew. They're walking. Isaac's just doing what daddy told him to do. And if, if you remember the passage, Isaac said, here's the wood, but where's the sacrifice? We ain't got no pigeon, no goat. We don't have... Well, we're about to tie down to this wood, Daddy. You. Now, I don't know why Isaac didn't run. I'd have ran. If my mama would have told me X, Y, and Z, I'd have have planned my escape route. I'd have been like, yo, Mom. And then I took all that wood I was carrying, I threw it at her, and I zipped. Old man, 100 years old, he wasn't he about to catch his boy. He was 100 plus. He was about to catch. But they keep walking up the hill. God was never going to let Abraham. It was never in God's plan, long range. Why did God tell Abraham that's what was going to happen? Because, listen, God does some things that we can't understand. I know this. God didn't change his mind. God didn't tell Abraham that meaning that that's what was going to happen, and then he decided, oops, let me change my mind because that was a bad plan. God don't have bad plans. God doesn't change his mind. He told us in the book of Job, he is of one mind. No one can turn him, and he never changes his mind. He doesn't say, I was going to, but, but I'm not. God, but he does make it look that way because don't you think it looked that way to Isaac and everybody that heard Abraham say God told him to go kill him? When Abraham came back down with Isaac alive, everybody had a choice to believe. Either God just set Abraham up to see if he'd move in that direction, or Abraham didn't hear God clearly because surely Isaac wasn't dead. But if Abraham would have been like a lot of Christians are, a lot of church members are, Jesus would have never came into the earth because Jesus came through, through the line of Isaac. Jesus would have never came to be Messiah, because that, that came through the line of Isaac. If Abraham would have been like most I know what God told me. Because God did say, take Isaac up on top of that hill and kill him. 
for me to prove that you love me more than him. Didn't God, didn't God already know who Abraham loved the most? What is this madness about take your son up there and kill him to prove that you love? God was just trying to move him in a direction. God was just trying to get him in a process so he could reveal what had always been. In, see, God don't tell us the whole plan. God didn't change his plan when they got to the top of the hill and snap his fingers and, and make, a, make a ram appear, that ram in the bush that, that took the place. Uh, metaphorically for us, Jesus was our ram in the bush that, that, that made the offering a sacrifice for us. Isaac had a real ram in a bush, but if Abraham would have been that strong, self-willed, determined uh, church person, he and God said, no, take that ram out of that bush. And let your son live. He could say, nope, I know what God said, and I'm going to do what God said. And that's why we need to understand it's important to do what God says. But you need to keep listening to what God is saying. Not because God's going to change his mind, but because God can always reveal to you the more in-depth portion of his plan. This is what confused people about the coming of Jesus. They thought the Messiah was going to come and set up uh, a political government and to put the oppressors under the feet of the Jewish people and establish the kingdom and throne of God in the city of David. And that's why to this day, Jews, the majority of Jews, people that follow Judaism, do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah because he didn't do what God said Messiah would do, which is to sit on the throne in Jerusalem and reestablish the rule of God in the city of David. Well, does that mean God changed his mind about what Messiah would do? No, God just told people what they needed to know to move them in the direction, and it's coming. God's got a plan, but he doesn't share us every detail because then we wouldn't be walking by faith. We would be walking by sight. Jesus is going to still set up, set up the, the, the throne of God in the city of David. God's still got a special plan for Israel. Um, but if, a, if Abraham would have been that stiff, and I know what God told me. You can't tell me no different. Isaac could be dead. Jesus would have never came, and we wouldn't be in this place today. So sometimes God will give you a direction to move in. Think about uh, the confusion that many people had with Jesus. Jesus came along the scene. They'd been practicing Judaism for 4,000 years. They were a religious people. And Jesus said that's who he came to save was the, was the people of the house of Israel. And the salvation is to the Jew first. But then to the rest of us, and Jesus came and told them stuff they had never heard. Jesus came and said, yep, you've, you've seen it written, an eye for an eye. But I tell you, was Jesus contradicting God when he said to turn the other cheek, or was he just walking them into a, a greater revelation and a new direction for that time? It was just about direction. Jesus said he didn't come to do away with not one word of the Old Testament, he came to completely fulfill the Old Testament. You know, in the old days, if somebody slapped you in the mouth, you could slap them back. If they accidentally ran over one of your cows, you could act purposely run over one of theirs. An eye for an eye. Equal justice. And Jesus came in and said, here's what I'm telling you. And all the stiff-necked religious people said, you ain't, you, ain't, mm -mm, you ain't nothing from God to me. I know what God said. I see it. I, I see it. Moses, Moses writing. Moses told us that God said an eye for an eye. And see, they heard what God said, 
But they thought God was finished talking, and they didn't keep listening for further instruction. Man, I, I, I remember when we were doing, I don't even know why they call it bivouac. Maybe you can tell me later, Dee. Uh, but whatever bivouac means, we go for a week out into the woods in the Army. And they, they, they had us do land nav. Who we, we, they, they split us up into, into four-man teams. Oh, no, this wasn't in basic, basic training. This was in uh, PLDC. Uh, when you become a non-commissioned officer, they send you to an NCO school called PLDC. It's like uh, basic training all over again for people who are in leadership ranks. And when I went through PLDC, they split us up into four-man teams for land nav. And I ain't strong at land nav. I'm just telling you, all them trees look the same to me. They drop you off in the middle of the woods and tell you how you got to get. They, they give you a point. You got to get from here to there. I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be tough. So we're sitting down looking at it, and then one, one dude just sitting there, and he's just not saying anything about how we're going to make this happen, and we got to get there first because we were going to get, you know, extra food if we got there first. And he said, y'all ready for me to show y'all what's going to happen? He spun that little map we had around. Uh, he, he was an infantry scout. Land nav was his thing. That's what he did. He said, we're not going to go all through there. That, that creek right there, we'd be walking through a half mile of swamp. We'd be covered up in there, wet. He said, we're going to go that way, the exact opposite of the way. He said, we're going to go that way for 400 yards, and we're going to walk across a culvert, and we're going to be on a road that's going to lead us all the way to within 300 yards of where we go. And then 300 yards away, we're going to dip back into the woods, and we're going to bypass this seven-hour walk, and we're just going to sit and hang out. And then when, when people start getting close, we're just going to walk up there and grab the flag. And we didn't tell none of them people at Fort Polk, Louisiana, how we did it. But we had an expert that knew which direction we were going to go. And we had to go from here to there. That's all we knew. But what we learned in the five minutes sitting down with this scout, there's, there's a different way. And you've got to understand, God speaks, but to his children, he's still speaking. And if we don't lean on that, we're going to miss what he's saying, and we're going to miss his direction altogether. In James chapter 4, in our text, listen to what it says. Verse 13, look here, you who say, Today or tomorrow, we're going to go to a certain town, and we'll stay there a year, and we'll do business there and make a profit. This is planning. This is believing you're going to do what you're going to go there because you think God, because God told you to go there. But then you start making these long-range plans about how it's going to turn out, and we don't always have the answer for the long-range how it's going to turn out. All we have to do is what God's people have done forever and what William Shakespeare put so eloquently. Ours is not to reason why. Ours is but to do or die. We don't have to know every step along the way. We just got to do what God tells us to do. So he's saying, okay, you, you say you're going to do this, that. Verse 14, he said, but how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? And when I read that, I, I, hear, I hear a voice in my head screaming, make room for further instruction. Make room. Do what God tells you to do, but always be ready to make room for further instruction because God only, only shines the light as we, as we move. He said, what, what's your life going to be like tomorrow? Then he said, your life is like the morning fog. You can't see around the corner and past the hill, and it's just here for a little while, then it's gone. 
And then in verse 15, here's God's instruction. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and we'll do this and we'll do that. I'm big on goal setting. I, I'm big on reading the road ahead. I'm big on seeking God for direction. And, 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 and sometimes I hear God so clearly. I, 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 I had the potential to lock in and say, this is what God told us and this is what we're going to do. You don't hear anything else I hear. Here it is. Listen to what God says. But always in, in, in Genesis, but always leave room for more instruction in Exodus. Are you following me? You got to hear what God said. You got to hear what God is saying. He said what you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we'll live and do this and do that. We're going to do what God wants us to do. But we're not going to pretend like we see the end from the middle. He said, otherwise, you're just boasting about your own plans, and all such boasting is evil. God told me to tell you today, God is bigger than what he told us back then, and he's bigger than what we think is going to happen in the future. Because all our life is but a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And we think we know exactly what God wants for our life, but we, and when, when metaphorically in the Old Testament, we, we do like what they did. When the cloud moves, we move. And we follow the current direction of the Lord. Now, some of y'all are going to get this wrong. You cannot violate the written word of God using this principle for your process when it comes to covenant situation. Some of y'all think about, well, I know God told me to be faithful to my spouse. But I know what he's saying now. I've had people sit in counseling sessions and tell me some foolishness like that. Well, well God has brought me my next husband. No, he has not. God showed the end from the beginning on that thing. He said what God is doing together let nobody put asunder. He, he, he said this, this is, this is to, to the end. He, he said if you are bound to a spouse, seek not to be loose. You don't need further instruction on that. You got the whole role right there in the, in the beginning. Now, maybe God told you to go to the... Uh, What's the name of that school? They, they say go west, uh, go north till you smell it, go west till you step in it. Um, Tallahassee. Uh, God, if God told you, that's just a little gator humor right there. It's a little gator humor. You all right, Henry? He loves the Seminole. I'm going to tell you what, Florida fans got beat up so bad by the Bowden Seminoles over the years that we learned every bad joke against Florida State that there is. That's how some of you O-H-I-O folk are about Michigan. <laughs> you, you learn how to rank on Michigan because you, you, you're tired of them smacking you. But God may tell you, go, go, go to Florida State University. And then he might tell you, pull out and go to uh, Santa Fe Community College. God told Bliss to go to uh, what, Florida A&M, Florida A&M Pharmacy School. Oh, she was young, coming from a rich family. Oh, Winter Park, Florida, up with money, going to school. She said, it was, the, was it a fashion show in that circle you were hanging with? They had college students. Man, you go to any other college in the country, they're wearing flip-flops and, and jean shorts. 
You, 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 go, you go to FAM, it is, it is a fashion show. They're on the runway out there in FAM. They're letting folk know we're we, we out here with dollars to spend. And God told her to go to FAM. But then he told her, you ain't staying here. You left FAM after one year, half a year? There was more direction. But you follow what you see. But you don't make long-range commitments. Or you might be talking about your own plan and not God's plan. That's why we got to say if the Lord wants us to, we're going to do this or we're going to do that. So some of y'all are trying to think ahead. And some of y'all are ready for, well, what's God saying now, preacher? Because, you know, I'm, I'm ready to quit anyway. Okay. Let me start by, by saying that I'm thankful for everything that God has done in every point in the history of this church. From, from where we were to where we are to whatever the future will hold. And I'm, I'm, about, to, I'm about to put some more direction on y'all that some of y'all ain't going to like. But I can tell you this for sure. Those that know me would say anybody can handle change emotionally better than Scott Becker. Uh, I remember when a couple of the people helped me move from uh, my last house to where I am now, and they knew me. They know I still got uh, eight bottles of cologne from junior high school. If you need to borrow some original Pierre Cardin, some original Polo, some original Jovan Muscoil for men, I still got it all in a drawer at my house. Why are you holding on to that? Are you a hoarder? No, I keep things that I like. They know I've got every, almost every ticket stub from every concert or sporting event me and Gail went to. But I don't remember who it was. I don't remember if it was you. I don't think you would have said it. But somebody said, it might have been him, but somebody said, Pastor, you really going to take all this to the next house? It's been in your garage for years here. It's just going to be in your garage somewhere else. And I was, I was looking at a ticket stub to the inaugural Jaguar season that me and Gail went to uh, when they played, I think it was Pittsburgh. And everybody was, was ragging, ragging the preacher about holding on to stuff that don't have any meaning to them. And I, I, I'm pretty sure I handed it to Jimmy. I said, just put that in the trash. And I walked out with tears in my eyes. And somebody came and said, we're not going to ask you to throw away anything else, preacher. Because we know emotionally you ain't built for change. You ain't built for getting rid of stuff. You ain't built for moving on the fly. You feel hard. You love hard. You don't let go. But I can tell you this. God is showing more direction. And if you've been looking around, you know that COVID hit every church hard with attendance. The average church attendance was cut in half and never came back. People got used to not being in church. Many of them never came back. But COVID hit our church hard in the way of attendance. And you've heard me say for years, I don't care who you vote for. I don't care if you think Biden is better than Trump, Trump's better than Obama, or Obama's better than Bush, or Bush is better than Clinton. It don't matter to me. They're all politicians. Just they, they don't understand us anyway. None of them do. They want to talk about being for the common man and the working man. That's a lie. They're for themselves. And I'm going to tell you this unapologetically. What I told you when Joe Biden got elected, 
Because most of y'all know I had my I had my I had real issues with Trump, and I still got those issues with Trump. I, I, I do not believe that that man is a Christian. I do not believe that that man uh, values the, the the biblical values uh, that the Word of God teach. But I, I I never told anybody to vote for, and I had somebody write me an email one time. They say, Pastor, you got a lot of money. Are you sure you ain't Republican? Who 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 who? And I, I don't I don't have, I don't I don't tell people who to vote for or, or or the way they should vote, but I can say this: what I told you when the the week after the election, that gas was a dollar eighty seven point nine. I got a picture of it on my phone, at the Circle K, in Fleming Island, the, the day after the election, gas was a dollar eighty seven point nine. And I told everybody in the church one thing: I can promise you for sure, the days of gas being under two dollars are gone. I had just financed my uh, house in Fleming Island, uh, started to pay cash for it, but v VA offered me a 2.3% uh, interest rate, and I knew I could make more money off, off, uh, off the cash in the market, so I, I, I worked the leverage that way, and I took out a two, almost 2.5% mortgage, and I told y'all, you ain't never going to see 2.5% loans on mortgages again. And what we've leaned into in this Biden economy is the greatest level of inflation this country's ever known. What we've leaned to in this Biden economy, and I'm not saying Joe Biden's the worst person on the planet, but I am saying that the decisions that they've made, I'll just give you some facts, undisputable. Gun sales are at an all-time high. Everybody, everybody thought because Trump was wiling out so hard that, you know, that we were going to have all these killings. There's been more killings under Biden than there were under Trump. Gun, more guns have been bought in this country than there were uh, in the history of this country. Gas prices have gone up uh, double. Uh, the cost of eggs, bread, and almost every other food item that you have to buy to live has gone up more than double. If you don't believe me, ask somebody who shops. Anybody think, anybody think it's more expensive in the grocery store now than it used to be? Well, they had me bad. They, they, they tricked me because I only buy a handful of things, uh, you know, Dr. Pepper and potato chips. And I thought, well, potato chips haven't gone up that much. And then I saw a thing on the news called shrinkflation. They're putting a third less in bags that they used to put a third more in just to sell it for the same price to make you think your bag of potato chips costs the same. They snuck me. It was already 90% air when you... It's the most depressing thing to open the big bag of potato chips thinking I'm about to just sit down with this, with this 32 ounces of Dr. Pepper and just enjoy my feast. And then you open it and you look in it and it's only this much at the bottom of a bag this tall. Inflation higher, prices higher. Mortgage rates have tripled. I had somebody in this church tell me that uh, they, they recently bought a car and, and they paid uh, between 7 and 8%. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And I left thinking, she must have. Once you're gonna buy a brand new car and pay that kind of money, and then I looked at it. Do you know A tier credit right now on on a car loan? That three years ago, every manufacturer was giving away five years zero percent interest. Just come buy the car, we'll loan you the money, and I charge you no interest. Now top tier financing is seven, eight, nine percent on its way to ten percent. 
I saw an economist uh, last month say that um, if you're under 70, you're going to live into an America where we have 10-year car loans and 100-year mortgages. I remember when 48-month mortgages came out. All the old people were like, don't do it. You end up paying twice for that car and interest. What you paying for? Don't, don't do the 30-year mortgage. Do the 15. You end up paying three times as much for that house. But where we're at now, they already said that over 50% of people under 40 in this country that don't already own a house will never own a house because they won't be able to afford it because the interest rates are too high. You want to go out and buy a $300,000 house at 2%? Three years ago, under the last administration, it was not perfect and had all kinds of problems, and I ain't, I ain't you know, but we'll leave politics out of it. But the facts are the facts financially. You go out and buy a house at, at 2 3% versus now you got to go out and buy a house at 8%. That's over three times as much, and your payment is way higher. Getting priced out. Tennis down because of COVID, priced out because of Bidenomics. I remember when Deacon came. Deacon Dixon has, has, has done the right thing. He's financially, and God has blessed him just like he promises to do every Christian. Don't look at somebody and be jealous of what they got if they, if they earned it the biblical way. Lived low in the early days, but faithfully God, God blessed him up on two of the nicest houses. Uh, that I've ever, I've ever personally seen right across the street from each other. And I remember the day he came in and said that, what, I don't remember if you said doubled or tripled, but your property taxes had gone up so high. He said he was thinking about going back to Alabama, true or false. Property taxes went up. The majority of people's property taxes that the bank makes you have on your house has doubled or more in the past three years. Last year, the property tax on this building was $18,000. This year, they sent us the property tax bill of, of, because a lot of insurance companies have left the state of Florida, and now there's less people writing insurance, so supply and demand, if they ain't a bunch of them, they can charge whatever they want, and you got to buy it. They want $60,000 to give us the same insurance that they gave us for $18,000 last year. That's triple. They've gentrified us. They've price tagged us out of the ability to make these kind of payments. But I don't blame COVID, and I don't blame Joe Biden, and I don't blame the insurance companies because I know God is always in charge of everything that happens. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. And that brings me where we are today. With the $60,000 they want for the drain field, with the six, or, or for the property taxes, with $60,000 that's going to prevent us from building a community center on this land, to the ever-decreasing income. I've been telling you all for a year. God, have I or have I not? You've been in, every serv or in, in almost every service we've had uh, for, for eight years. Have I or have I not been saying, don't be surprised one day we don't have lights on because if you don't give. I've been telling you all that and telling you all that. Giving, 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 lower, lower, lower. I heard one preacher say, well, you know, people vote with their feet in their pocketbook. If they ain't showing and they ain't giving, they ain't really with you. Okay. So I had to ask God, what should we do? Well, good news is we've been in a time of fasting and prayer. 
And God showed me. A year ago, I told y'all, I sat down with the elders and the deacons, and I showed them the direction of the finance. Did I, did I not show y'all where we, where we were and how, how it was? And I told y'all exactly on this trajectory we have this many weeks left. The trajectory weeks is over. People are like, well, can't we? Yeah, we, we could. If, if, if you did what you're supposed to do financially. Is it my fault? No. God has a plan. You just didn't get blessed in the midst of it financially because he said give and he'll give to you. But I've been showing these numbers to the elders and deacons for the past year uh, how unsustainable our financial trajectory was. Some of y'all think, well, just get to the point already. What, when, when you when you resign it? I've looked at every option. I've prayed about every option. I pulled a printout from my financial advisor about the money I've got invested in, in, in different markets. Um, and I, show, I showed the elders and the deacons and their wives a printout that if I never drew another dime uh, 30 years from now, my money, I'd have more money than I got right now just based on uh, the amount of money I got making interest every day. Did I, did I not pull that printout out? Yes or no? Quitting would be easy for me if I didn't believe God wanted me here. So stop thinking I'm quitting. You wish. I didn't told people for day one. I was here before you got here. I'll be here when you leave. But God gives more information as we go. So to get to the point, as of yesterday, through the majority of this time in prayer and fasting and hunting and counseling, with our board of directors and pastors that I sit under to give me advice, uh, we have you. I don't know if they. I don't think they put a sign in the yard. Uh, we contracted with a church sales specialist uh, to sell this location, so we can pay it off and have a few dollars for what God has got coming next. He said it won't be listed on the internet or on MLS. He's got a broad net. He's already got a couple couple churches. He's been doing this exclusively for uh, almost three decades, and he, he knows a lot of people, and he works the network the way he works it. Um, so what are we going to do? Well, we're going to downsize. We're going to do what responsible, financially responsible do, people do in a time of inflation and in a time of being priced out. We're going to downsize. Uh, there's a good-looking crowd here today, but even in this crowd right now, we don't need every chair that's in this building. We came, we came over here with a 1,000 chairs. We've been piecemealing those off. Dina asked me, Bliss, I don't even remember. When we sold that bunch of chairs when you were here, when, the, when that church came and picked up a bunch of our chairs, do you remember what cut-rate price we gave them chairs away for? Yeah, I couldn't either. But i tell you one thing. We don't have a 1,000 chairs anymore. Because we did what financially responsible people do. When money got tight, we sold excess to keep paying the bills. And we're going to downsize. And we're going to move into a retail location in, in this area where I believe that we'll be able to do a much more focused form of ministry, more ministry to the world and less just coming to church on Sunday morning. Because God didn't send his son Jesus Christ to this earth to be stripped naked, beaten bloody, abandoned, rejected, spat on, and crucified 
to die on a cross just so people could come to church on Sunday morning. Churches, attendance, if you study church attendance, every size church attendance is down except mega churches. Mega churches continue to grow because people can go there, sit in, blend in, and never be asked to do anything. Because they're not telling enough truth to scare off rich people with money. Because if you preach the truth, rich people who want to run your church with their dollars will go find a pastor in a church they can run. And abundant life never has been for sale to nobody's dollar. Uh, we, we, we had the richest person in the history of giving this church. Um, I was actually at a, at a, at a uh, Dave Ramsey conference where I got to meet Dave Ramsey for hang out with him for a week. This guy flew me out. He was he was biggest giver, big, richest person we ever had in the church. We got into a discussion one night at dinner that week, and I had my plate in front of me. I was eating. And he was getting a little. He was feeling himself a little bit, and he let say out of his mouth, "If it wasn't for the money, he said that he thought we should do X, Y, and Z." And I said, "I don't. I don't think that's God." And he let say out of his mouth, "If it wasn't for the money I give, you wouldn't even have that little church." I took my whole plate and I flipped it down, upside down. I said, "I'm not even going to eat the rest of that meal that you're paying for." Because you said you'd take me to dinner tonight. But let me make sure you're aware of one thing for sure. God don't need your money. And I ain't for sale for no dollar amount. And we were at a church before you came here. We'll be a church after you leave here. <laughs> Guess what multimillionaire, rich, self-absorbed business people do when the preacher tells them that? They left. We was a church before they got here, and we're still a church now. But we're going to move to a much smaller, I'm talking about a small. I'm talking about when we left the big church to come over here, I said I need 30 faithful families or individuals who would say, I believe in the ministry of the true teaching of the Word of God and seeing souls saved, and people live holy, and I want to. Be, I called it the dirty thirty. I said, if you will, if you're willing to go, we're not going over there to have bless me parties. We're going over there to do work and impact the community and to pour God's love into a community which we have done now for almost ten years in this place. I said, just take one of those cards in front of you. Just write your name and thirty on it. I know what you are. Got about five, six hundred people showing up every week at that point. We had over three hundred fifty people show up the first Sunday here. They all were going to be part of it. And guess what? Dribbled out, dribbled out, dribbled. They wouldn't come into work. They didn't think they didn't take me serious. I said, We only got a few, we don't have enough seats for all y'all. All y'all can't come. We want people who want to be there. Y'all have heard me say for years, some of y'all, some of y'all never even tried. The people that come on Wednesday night, you've heard me say for you, my favorite service all week long is Wednesday night. Because that's people who really want to open their Bibles and study. And I just I love the word of God and I love teaching the word of God. When I was 18 years old, God saved me. When I, when I read in the Old Testament that Ezra stood up on a platform of wood and he and the Levites read the word of God and caused it to make sense, I prayed. I said, God, I think that's what you want me to do. And for the last 41 years, I've been standing up in front of God's people reading the word and causing it to make sense. And I know for sure, you might not ever say out of your mouth what I've had so many people say, and I never have taken it as a personal uh, commendation, and I've always told people, that says more negative about your last church than it says about me. People have told me consistently for 41 years, Pastor Scott, I've learned more 
in six months come into abundant life than I learned in six years at my last church. And if you never said that out of your mouth, you ain't paying attention. We're a Bible church. We teach the Word of God. And God has given me an anointing to read this book and cause it to make sense. I don't come up here and try to be eloquent. I don't come up here and try to be white eloquent. The way they tried to teach us in, in Bible college. How, turn with me today to St. John's Gospel in chapter number 3. As we consider the love of God. Intonation, breathiness, falling off at the end. There, there, there's tricks to how you how uh, fancy white preachers preach, and there's tricks to how fancy black preachers preach. I don't stand up here and try to be white eloquent or or black articulate. Ain't the Lord all right? <laughs> Ain't the Lord all right? I saw the Lord. Uh, he heard my cry. Said his son Jesus. Oh, y'all ain't helping me in this. I don't come up in here to pretend an eloquence that God did not give me an anointing to do. I come up here and do what God anointed me to do, which is to read this book and cause it to make sense. I'm not trying to be special and talk over your head. I'm not trying to be uh, common and talk under your feet. I know what God has anointed me to do. And we're going to go to a much smaller retail location. And there ain't going to be a chair for all y'all. There ain't going to be a chair in there for everybody in this room right now. And if you're just looking for a place to go sit down and go on Sunday mornings where you can say, I did my good deed for the week I went to church, I recommend Bethel, First Baptist Mandarin, any white First Baptist church you want to find. There are lots of places that will take sitters. But I don't believe God called us, saved us to sit. I believe God called us to serve. And we are going to get leaner, and we are going to get more ministry-minded than we have ever been. So here's what's going to happen. And you got the option. You can take it or leave it. But I believe this is what God, this is the light God has shown us. I've been in prayer. I've been in fasting. I've been in counseling with our board of directors and with our elders and our deacons, and this is what we believe is the direction of the Lord. We are going to make a slight shift in our name from Abundant Life Christian Fellowship to Abundant Life Global Outreach. And we're going to start doing more hands-on, boots on the ground, soldiering for the Lord ministry then we are going to be focused on just having church on Sunday. We have worked ourselves to death, and I thank God for everyone who's ever served a second or given a penny to our food and clothing ministry. Some of y'all don't know, that is an all-day Thursday, all-day Friday, all-day Saturday, all-night cleaning up, mopping. I mean, how many, how many times has, has Deacon been over there mopping them floors, Dina, waxing them floors? Work, work, working, our, our volunteers have worked themselves to death, and now as a result of COVID, what we've got is giving away a million dollars worth of food every year, people circling through the driveway and us throwing a box of food in their trunk. I ain't like the old days where we had the prayer table set up. Y'all remember some of y'all, people come for prayer, we saw people get healed, we saw people receive Christ, 
Uh, you say, well, isn't what we're doing now? Yes, it's still important because Jesus said even if we just give away a cup of water in his name, that there will be a blessing for that. But it's not as targeted as it could be. So we're going to do more in the way of outreach on a global and a local scale. I'm going to give you ten mandates of ministry for where we're going. You tell me if you want to be part of it or not. If not, I love you. I thank God for you. I got nothing bad to say about you. But everybody doesn't want to work for the Lord. Everybody doesn't want to be a part of a special operation unit. Everybody doesn't, doesn't want to buckle in and buckle down and study and pray and give. We have given ourselves in, in, into no money. See, because just because the giving gives goes down on Sunday morning doesn't mean the payments go down. We've never stopped giving to our missions around the world, even when our salary all took 30% cuts in pay, just so we could keep giving to missions around the world. But listen to these 10 things, and you tell me if it's something you want to be a part of, then you can keep coming. If not, uh, I'll see you when I see you. First thing we're going to do as Abundant Life Global Outreach is we're going to keep meeting together. On, it might be 1030. It might be 11. I want 11, but some people want 1030. I'd like 2 in the afternoon, but that'd mess up the football. <laughs> I stay up till 3, 4, 5, 6 o'clock in the morning um, praying and studying and getting my mind right. But we're going to meet together in a small retail spot on Sundays. We're going to have prayer, we're going to have worship, and we're going to have the word. We're not going to start with a praise and worship team because we ain't got nobody. We, we ain't had a new person come along to praise and worship team in, in how long? And we got, we got this handful of dedicated people who have served diligently. We're going to ease back into that as the Lord opens. But week one, we're going to sit around in a circle. We're going to sing Kumbaya. <laughs> not literally, but we, we're going to sing some songs together. And we're going to have, I've always said, I love the feel of a family church. And even though we're small in number, everybody that trickles in here ain't, ain't, ain't family. Everybody ain't for real, for real. And the only people that need to come are the people who are ready to be for real, for real. Because we're not going to have seats. 150 some odd seats in this room right now. We ain't, uh, half them seats going to be, be on, on Craigslist next week. Because we got rent, we got a mortgage payment due on this place on the first. And then bills come due on the regular. Second, we're going to make the church building available throughout the week for small groups. We could have done uh, what one church suggested we do. They've been doing it for a decade. They rent out their church to uh, another church on an off night that can't afford their own building. They've been doing that successfully for 10 years. We, we could have... Uh, Rent it out, a piece of somebody's church for one service a week, but they what the Lord put in my heart, and that ain't what he led us to do in fasting and praying. We want to have a place that's ours throughout the whole week. So every day, every night, every hour of the week, if we, if we, if we got a use for the building, we can come up and use it. We're going to have small group meetings up there. We're going to do some real ministry out of it. It's going to be a true global outreach ministry center. Number three. We're going to get back to doing what we did in the beginning. We're going to adopt a local assisted living facility. Before Gail and I started this church, I had a nonprofit organization I started called Mission Jacksonville. And every Monday, I spent six hours at the old folks' home on Normandy Boulevard. I went and I asked 
the, the director, do you have anybody who doesn't get visitors? She said, a bunch. I said, well, I want six of them. And for six hours, one hour at a time, I spent one hour at a time with six people every Monday. You say, well, we ain't all got that gift. Yeah, you do. And I'm going to commission everybody who comes with us to be, to be a missionary. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commission everybody who comes along in this, in this move with us to, to be, and we're going we're gonna to commission you to go out and do real gospel work and not just sit in a chair. You say, well, I can't go into old folks' home and assist living silly and preach. I ain't talking about going in there and preaching a church service. I'm talking about here's, here's all you have to do, and I promise you, you'll, you'll have to tell Miss Jones you got to go. You walk in, <laughs> and you say, hey, Miss Jones, I'm Scott, and I'm a Christian, and I just wanted to come by today and just talk to you about the Lord. I'd love to hear your stories. What's, what's been going on in your life, Miss Jones? How many of y'all know? Miss Jones about to talk until you fall asleep or leave. <laughs> you don't have to do nothing else. And the joy Miss Jones will have after a human being. And let me tell y'all, any of y'all, uh, especially if you're younger than me, heck, if you're younger than Uncle Ken, raise your hand, Uncle Ken. <laughs> Not my biological uncle, that's just what we call him. He's, he's, he's the senior deacon uh, in, in our church age-wise. If you you younger than Uncle Ken, and maybe even Uncle Ken, let me tell you what I know from spending decades working in assisted living facilities. We used to call them old folks' home when I was young. They want to hold, take your hand and just do this. Why do they want to do this? Because this skin on your hand is soft, and theirs is hard. And they just want to look in your face and believe that somebody whose life hasn't passed them by cares enough about them to sit there. And talk to them. If you got a heart to love somebody, you are who we're looking for. And we're gonna we're gonna have an assist. I'm not talking about going in and singing songs to a, to an assisted living. I'm not talking about pulling off a church service to an assisted living facility. I'm talking about going in there, taking prayer requests, providing birthday cards. Yeah, I'm going to commission you for you you you're going to be personally assigned to Mrs. Jones. That's going to be your friend. That's going to be your that's going to be your mission field. You're going to take the love of God to Miss Jones every week or every month as God allows you to go. You're going to write down her prayer requests. Got y'all writing these prayer requests. Come to me and the intercessors. Everybody at Abundant Life Global Outreach is going to be a praying person. Going to buy them birthday cards. Church ain't going to buy them birthday cards. You're going to buy Miss Jones a birthday card. Miss Jones is going to be your mission field. Miss Jones is going to be your church. Miss Jones is going to be who God gives you to love and to be his hands and feet to Miss Jones. We're going to continue. We got a building seven nights a week, 365 days. We, we're, still going, we're still going to keep up our, our uh, crochet, thank you, crochet ministry because these comfort shawls bring comfort. I've got one. In my bedroom, I wrap it around my neck, and I hold on it. And I remember there are people that love me, and there's a God that loves me. We're going to take Miss Jones to Comfort Shaw. And when I say we, I mean you. And that's going to be your assignment. Show up at least monthly. You say, well, I don't know how to do it. We're going to train you how to do it. We're going to have training sessions during the week. Well, I don't have to spend all week long coming up with a sermon 
to preach to people that don't really love God anyhow and ain't really saved to begin with and don't want to do anything for the Lord, just want to come sit in a church on Sunday morning. If that's where you're at, praise the Lord. Get better and do better. Fourth thing, area of focus, we're going to sign each member, one of our missionaries to pray for and to send encouragement to on social media or email. All these people back here, we send them money every month. They were all supposed to come show up to our church and give us updates. We get their, we get their update letters. Some of their update letters are months old. And we're going to trim that list of 10 down. And we're going to give more money to the active missions around the world that are truly doing something. And we're going to let go of the ones that have let go of the missions that they said they were going to be doing. And we're going to, right now, everybody in this church that's a member, you're supposed to have a deacon assigned to you, call you, and check on you. Moving away from that, deacons are going to be happy. And then we're going to be calling you, checking on you. We're going to give you a list. We, we're gonna, we, we, I don't know how we're going to do it. We might divide it up, just point you out. But somebody is going to be praying. Whether it's every day or however God leads you to do it, somebody is going to be praying for Pastor Prince and Ortha Coon in Monrovia, Liberia, West Africa, in a little village called New Crew Town, which is the most war-torn village on the planet. Look it up. Google will tell you that. They've had highest case of Ebola, Ebola in the world, highest case of HIV in, in the world, highest civil unrest in the world. But we got a group of people in Africa that for the last four days of every month, they shut down their ministries and they gather together in Pastor Coon's church and they lock the door and they don't leave for four days and they pray for Abundant Life Christian Fellowship and Pastor Scott Becker for four days in a row at the end of every month. He'll send me his little email. It's funny how, how people, I mean, they, they say they speak English, but so do we. And we don't speak English to English people. My dear father, Bishop, Apostle, Pastor Scott, we honor you and greet you in Jesus' name. And here comes the funny part. We are in praise for you even now. That's not P-R-A-I-S-E. That's P-R-A-Y-S, prayer. Pray. We are praying for you. We are in praise for you even now as we fast and seek the Lord for your protection and for the Mother Church. Please greet the people of Abundant Life and tell them that we need you and we love you. Some of y'all going to be lucky. Y'all y'all going y'all y'all going to be politicking for Pastor Coon. I know some of y'all already thinking I'm going to say him after the message. I want I Carlos and Evelyn Ruiz in Ecuador are doing some of the greatest work of ministry that's ever been done. We give to them every month. It it was it was uh, Pastor Carlos who stood stood in our in this pulpit and said, "I come to give you Encourage. I sit in the front row. I'm like, well, I can tell you this. Elder Jimmy don't need more rage. Inco, outco, bico rage. Uh, he didn't mean inco rage. What did he mean? I come to give you encourage. <laughs> he gave me a shirt. He said, he told me some obvious. 
I bring you a gift from our country. I don't know your size, so you are a man like me, and I get the same size. This dude is about five foot five and 118 pounds. I'm, I'm five eleven and a half with these shoes on. I'm about just under five ten in real life. Five nine and some change. This man gave me a small, colorful Ecuadorian. It was beautiful. I couldn't. I couldn't get my head through the hole in it. Somebody's gonna be praying. That flag that says Belgium on it. Y'all, if y'all y'all ever been in the room when Pastor Bill Schwartz came in, you can't miss him. He's, I, I, he's a big boy, and I don't mean three hundred, I don't mean four hundred. I mean a big. How, how, how many y'all remember Big Bill Schwartz, uh, our first missionary that we ever started? And, and, and Bill, if, if if people aren't talking back to him, because he got a little bit of that, a uh, little bit of that street hood in him, like me, and one of his things he says. Every, every speaker has something they say. Some people, when, when they're trying to fill space, dead space, they'll say, okay, or all right, or y'all ain't helping me, or um, and uh, uh. That's for your really bad public speakers that say and um, uh, uh. And, uh, and uh, um, uh, <laughs> Pastor Bill's go-to is, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. He'll just talk at random. If he just loses his train of thought, come on, somebody. And just look at you for an amen. Last time he came, from here, he'd be hitting that plant from here. He, 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 he'd get close enough to put his hand here. That whole plant was leaning forward. I don't know how many people beside me were watching. I kept saying, that plant's going to fall or topple over on its head. But I've known Bill Schwartz for over 30 years, and I can tell you this. He is in a country right now that is less than 2% Christian. And he has opened up a dozen churches and ministry centers and schools over there for the Lord. And he is a true apostle to the world, and especially to Europe. And some of y'all going to get to know him better, and y'all going to pray for him. And I can go on down the line, but you get the picture. You're going to have an assignment. I don't come to church to get an assignment. Preach me happy and let me go. It's already at past 12. Bethel, First Baptist Mandarin, church up the street. Number five, let me hurry. I told you we're going to send increased financial support to our active missionaries. We're going to skin down some of these. We've been giving money every month to one of the richest ministries in the world only because God gave us a special connection to them because all these people are people we know. Except Samaritan's Purse, and you can find their information there. Uh, Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's son, uh, doing a great work through Samaritan's Purse. They do that big Christmas giveaway every year to the kids. and uh, Through relationships I have with their leadership, we've been taking them on. Uh, We're we going to let the $700 million a year Samaritan's Purse uh, miss our monthly contribution so we can give more to Carlos. Anybody think that would be a good idea? Number six, we're going to provide volunteer opportunities monthly and weekly at the First Coast Women's Shelter. First Coast Women's Shelter, is, uh, when they opened up their location in Clay County, me and Dina were there. 
the ribbon cutting service, we were vital in their opening. We've been giving them money every month for 15, 20 years, however long it's been. But we need to do more than just give them money. They provide a service that is so necessary to young pregnant women. They do uh, crisis pregnancy counseling. They do free uh, sonograms. I was going to say ultrasound, but I knew that sounded like a man answer. Sonogram. And they let the mother see the baby. And if the father will come in, they let the father see the baby. And the statistics rapidly change on people that keep their babies or go get a government-paid-for abortion. And we, 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 we got, I know at least one person in this room whose mother told me if she hadn't gone to a place like that when she was pregnant, her child might not be alive today. And the lady took her by the hand and prayed for her and told her, God's got a plan for you and this child. And you keep this child and we'll, and they give away baby cribs and they give away more than wit gives away. And we, we, we send money to them. And I didn't even notice when God was putting it in my heart. I knew that Nancy's daughter volunteered at First Coast Women's Shelter. But I just found out in the last week that she went from volunteering Paid staff there, running the joint, assistant director. We have not in years sent anybody down there to help. And they need people to help. We're going to just, we're not going to be a traditional church that invests its money only in under, under the roof ministries. We're going to go, and if, if you've got a heart for poor women who are pregnant and don't know what to do with the baby and you'd like to fold some clothes and help give away some clothes and, 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 and help out with, with the services at First Coast Women's Shelter, which is a completely Christian Jesus First ministry, we're going to put you on that team. I already told you, if you just came to sit, Bethel. <coughs> Number seven. We're going to provide our facility free of charge for counseling services. <coughs> Shannon has come alongside as, as a, a licensed, lifelong adult, his whole adult life, he's been uh, a, a trained, licensed, qualified counselor. He works full-time in, in the prisons as an employee of the government of the United States as a full-time counselor for people in prison. Um, and he said that he had set up and, and counseled people for free. We offer those services to y'all. Some of y'all haven't taken it, but we're not going to stop. It. We're going to open it up wider to the community and we, we're going to let Shannon set up shop. We're going to have this retail spot. Um, I, we're praying about a couple of them right now. It wouldn't hurt my feelings. There's a spot in that same plaza with, with Wingstop, and y'all know I love Wingstop. Put me next to Wingstop. I'll never be under 200 pounds again. But we're going to have the keys. And everybody that shows up is going to have a key. It's going to be like any time fitness for the Lord. We're going to have whatever night we don't have anything going on. We're going to be giving free counseling because there's mental health problems out there. There's addiction problems out there. And people need free help. And the church needs to step up and quit trying so hard to concentrate on paying for expensive buildings and start pouring money back into people. I thank God for somebody. Who agrees. Number eight, 24-hour access for prayer throughout the month with ongoing fervent prayer. 
We did this some in our Blaney property. We set up a room and gave people keys. 24-hour available prayer. Little altar, pad, altar to kneel on where you can come by, do what Babby Mason said, stop by the church sometime and go in there and get on your knees and pray. And then ain't going to be about somebody putting a prayer request on the back of this card and turning it in so the pastor's desk. You see those stacks? I know when you clean my desk. You see those stacks, uh, those cards? I got a stack this tall of those cards on my desk right now. No, we're going to have prayer books. You're going to be able to go in there. You're going to know the people that come to Abundant Life Global Outreach. And you're going to pray for them. They're going to pray for you. And that's going to be one of the major focuses of our church. Number nine, we're going to meet at least once a month. We're not going to have this fifth Sunday uh, cards night. At least once a month, we're going to turn that place out and throw on some some uh, some stereo music. And we, we're going to pull out the deck of cards. And we're going to pull out, uh, some of y'all are going to pull out the bones and throw some dominoes. And we're going to hang out. Have some food. Have some fellowship. And let everybody around us wonder, what are you going up in there for? What kind of speakeasy is that? Spiritual speakeasy. Last, we're going to go on at least one annual mission trip. We ain't been on a mission trip what year? 2008? 2006? We want a mission trip to Belize. Change, change the community's life and change the people who went life. It's been way, way too long. Some of you have never been on a foreign mission trip. We're going to plan at least one a year. I'm looking right now. We can get tickets. We can fly to Ecuador for $350. And they got a place to put us up. And if you, if you, you get a couple days off work, you ought to go. When, when they came back and told us stories, the kids in that village are so poor where Bill and Kathy minister in Belize. They'd never had shoes. And they'd walk to the landfill every day and scourge through trash to try to find food to take home to mama. You send your four-year-old to a landfill to bring you home a, uh, a little bit of food, you're, you're hurting. And they had thick skin on the bottom of their feet from where they'd been walking, never had shoes. And inside that thick skin were stuck pieces of Rocks and glass, yes or no, where the skin had just grown over it. And we'd planned a foot washing service, and we took a bunch of flip-flops with us. Oh, and on the bottom of it, it said, Jesus loves you. Was it, were some of those folk crying, washing those little kids' feet, Jimmy? Were them kids happy to have a pair of shoes that they could call their own? What is the church doing? meeting on Sunday and forgetting about all this stuff. I repent to you right now for doing this church thing when we should have been doing this Jesus thing from day one. I've told y'all from jump, I don't care how many people show up. Too many people come to church. If you ain't in it to be in it, stay home. But we're going to plan immediately our first missions trip. And in 2024, I believe God, if the Lord allows us, we'll do this. Whatever the Lord says, we'll do this, we'll do that. But I believe we're going to go, I hope, to Ecuador. And Carlos is our friend. And they've all said, send a team. 
We'll feed them and we'll put them up. We'll house them. That wasn't great housing, was it, Jimmy? I don't know if I can go somewhere. We, they weren't allowed to flush the toilet paper. We'll talk about that when we get in, in, the, in the retail spot. Nice. I don't know what your heart is. Maybe you just want to come Sunday once a month to a church so you can feel like you're a Christian person. Uh, maybe you don't. Um, where, where did Elder Keon go? Oh, you had your head ducked down. That's all I saw was a monitor. But, but here's, here's what I want you to know. I don't make decisions in this church. Y'all are Pastor Scott's church. Pastor Scott don't have a church, but the church belongs to the Lord. And the Bible says that the church should be led not by popular vote, because then you rich people just run stuff, because they buy the vote, but by prayer and fasting through the elders who are leaders. And we have prayed and we have fasted and we have met together as the leadership. The board of our church consists of mostly our people, with some outside people that I've already spoke to that aren't here today. But uh, the people that are here today that are on our board of directors, uh, two of them are the only two elders of the church outside of me, and they've consented with this and believe this to be the will of the Lord, and our church administrator is also on our board of directors, and, and here's what I want you to see. Not just the ramblings of a 60-year-old man, but I want you to see how we do as a leadership here. One person don't make the decision. Can't trust that. I could lose my money. We make, we don't get a, a majority. We move forward with a unanimous vote. Because I heard somebody say one time, if you can get more than three, two or three Christians to agree on anything unanimously, it might be God. So having already counseled and gotten their consent, consent I want Elder Jimmy Elder Keon to come stand front as, as the elders of our church. And I want Dina Mills, our church administrator, to come stand forward as uh, the, uh, one of the ruling board members of our church. The Bible says, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. That means let your yes be yes and your no be no. So I'm not in no order other than where they lined up. I'm going to ask them down the line. Do you believe that this is what God wants us to do, and are you committed to walking in this direction un, under, under the guidance of God's Spirit? Do you believe that this is what God wants us to do, and are you committed to walking in this direction under God's guidance? Do you believe this is what the Lord wants us to do and walk in this direction under God's guidance? <laughs> see right now I could pull on your emotions and I was gonna because we need some people to come alongside us we need some people to say I'll be there pastor and I know some of you will be but I thought I'm gonna I'm put these put these three these are three of the finest human beings you'll ever meet the character and integrity that you see in front every one of these people have greater character than me Every one of these people have greater integrity. If you've ever thought anything decent about me, these people are more decent than I am. These people are more disciplined and dedicated than, than anybody you're ever going to meet. This is the real deal. These are three Christians 
that have given their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is unquestionable. They have gone through adversity. They have gone through personal sacrifice. They have given their time without measure. They have given their income without measure. And they have given their soul to serving the Lord Jesus Christ in the ministry of this church. And I was going to tell y'all, if, 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 if y'all think that you want to be a part of something awesome that we as the leaders of this church believe is the direction of God, I was going to have you come running down here. We were going to join hands. And, uh, and, but listen, every time I've done that in the past, people come down and then I look for them. So I'm not going to make you make your yay or your nay yet. But I'm going to tell you what. If you're willing to be used by God, we need you. And there's a ministry for you at Abundant Life Global Outreach. I've said it since we started. I don't care how many people show up. That's why I have such great admiration and respect for Elder Keon. He got the same heart. He would rather minister to three, two, one, no matter how many youth show up. He would rather people come in there that want to learn the real truth than for him to play games and go on, 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 on field trips like most youth department he is committed to teaching the truth of the word of God and I told him this morning in a, in a private way and I'll say it again publicly I've said it many times before if it wasn't anybody but I talk to Jake every day he's the only 22 year old marine that calls his daddy every day and so many times our stories turn to Elder Keon and what Elder Keon taught Jake through the Bible and the most of the stuff that Jake has learned through the Bible he learned through the heart of this young man who gave himself to teach a small handful of people what the real truth is about God. If I drop dead of a heart attack today, these are three people that you can trust. These are three people that you should follow. I'm not going anywhere today. I'm not about to drop dead today. I don't believe that's God's plan. If, if the Lord wills, we'll do this or we'll do that. But this is a leadership that you can trust. This is a leadership that you can follow. Some of y'all have ministry in your heart. You want to do something that will last for eternity. I want you to keep coming around. We already know. We already, I already heard it from, from my advisors. Well, you know, Pastor, once you tell them what's happening, some folk ain't never coming back. Some of them, they're just going to dip. I say this. May God's grace be upon you. And may the light of his countenance shine on you and bring you peace. But we got to do what God is calling us to do. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And you're going to have an opportunity to be a true minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all, go ahead and sit down. Put your hands together for what God is doing. We're going to give and get out of here. I know it's late. But this is the big news of the hour. So you got your opportunity to either give for the last time. Because you're never going to come back. Or you can give into the future. Or you can do whatever God lays on your heart to do. i tell you one thing. And, and, and I told the staff, listen, just with the giving represented in, 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 in the four of us, we're going to be able to pay all the bills of Abundant Life Global Outreach Center if just the four of us show up. Because we're going to shed all these bills. And if need be, we're going to shed all the salaries. I already told them, if the money's not there, don't pay me a penny. 
because I ain't never done what I do for money. If you know me, you, you know I've made a whole lot more money outside the church than I've made inside the church in my lifetime. And I don't say that to, 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 to brag or, or to sound any certain kind of way. But if you want to be a part of this, the more you give, the more ministry we're going to be able to do. And we're not going to finance bills anymore. We're going to finance ministry. And I hope today you'll give into the ministry of God's church. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you for this people. Thank you for direction by your spirit. And God, we pledge today that if you will, we will do this and we will do that as long as you give us life. Father, I pray that you'd move on the hearts of your people, that someone would give today sacrificially, that someone would give for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the ALCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at alcfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to alcfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.